Hola, mi amigos, and welcome to the Teed Up Podcast, your one-stop shop for all your health, fitness, motivational, and life needs. I'm your host, Trent Atkins. Alrighty, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Teed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Atkins. And today, I just want to hop on here and just give you guys a little little update about me, about me and my uh, you know personal life, and just share some some thoughtful insight into how my life is going at the moment and all that good stuff. So we're solo. We're just want to hop on here and you know, like I said, just speak my mind and just tell you all about how life is going right now for me and. All that good stuff. So let's, let's dive right into it. But before we do that, I just want to thank you all for, for being listeners of this podcast and being supporters of this podcast as we try and build this into something, you know, greater than, you know, we could ever imagine. Because that that's one of the main reasons I love having this platform is to be able to speak my mind and speak my thoughts about, you know, mental health, you know, anything physical, mental uh, spiritual, emotional, anything that can somewhat just help you as a person, you know, be inspired, motivated, have a higher range of confidence, and just be able to tackle something you never thought you'd be able to do. And that is why I love having this platform. And I just want to thank you all for being listeners of this uh, podcast and all that good stuff. So, that being said, let's dive right into it. Now, for this episode, I have no notes, nothing at all. I'm just speaking straight from the dome, raw, very authentic. And actually, I'm coming at you guys from my recovery spot in the house. And that is on the recliner with the old foot propped up. Yep, it sucks. You know, it's a it's a huge shift in perspective, but it's a very deep, very deep lesson that I'm learning. So you might be thinking, how did I get to this point? So I had surgery last Friday, um, November November tenth. I had an ankle arthroscopy. Um done on my left ankle 13 months after yes you heard that right 13 months after the initial injury to my ankle that I sustained my freshman year playing basketball at the University of Pikeville ever since then I have had trouble out of it you know constant you know swelling um, you know it never it never apprehended it was always there it was always just can it was always consistent i developed you know infections impingements uh, you know whatever it is like i don't know what it's called but like floating cartilage inside the joint whatever it is you could think of that can happen to the ankle it's yeah it's happened i've had athlete's foot pop up from it 
all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was just, it's, it's, it's been a time, and I'll tell you that. But, so I had surgery November 10th, and it was an ankle arthroscopy on my left ankle. And the arthroscopy, the doctor, or the surgeon, uh, inserted some microscopes and some, and was able to put that up onto a computer screen so he could go in there with a little small camera and they cleared out any and all the scar tissue that I had, which they said that it was, it was very more than he expected. And I kind of knew going into it that there was going to be a lot of that. Along with doing that, they also took out the bone spurs that was hanging around in the talus of my joint or the talus bone of my ankle. So they took that out, took the bone spurs out, cleared out the scar tissue, but they also did a separate um, incision or cut for uh, a procedure. And the medical term for that is called the Brostrom procedure, I believe. But basically it's where they make a decision on the lateral part of my ankle and they went in and they put in two suture anchors to tighten up my ligaments that I had previously injured. And according to the surgeon, they were very, very loose. So glad that that was able to, you know, get fixed for the most part. And since, since that, or since November 10th, I have been in, I guess they call it a back slab plaster and have not been able to, you know, see my ankle or any part and that, you know, that just, it just makes you curious because you're so like you just want to see what it looks like so bad, but you can't. It's covered. But pain-wise, you know the the pain really wasn't bad at all um, for the first few days. You know, just well, they also did a did a um, I forgot they did a nerve block of I don't remember the name of the nerve in my about the, about the middle height of my calf. On the left side, I can't. I don't know what the nerve's called. It was your, uh, it's not your perineals. I don't really know. But they did a nerve block to, I guess, just numb everything down there. And they said that that was going to, um, you know, last for anywhere from 24 to 48 hours post surgery. And coming home from surgery, I could not feel anything like my toes. <laughs> I could not feel at all. Next day, still had no feeling in my toes. And then the next couple of days, I'm, right now today is the sixth full day since surgery. And yesterday was probably the, the most difficult day pain-wise. I think that the, um, the nerve block has finally wore off. And when I don't have my foot elevated, like above my heart, I guess it's just where all, all the circulation just gets trapped 
goes immediately to my foot and just gets trapped, that it causes significant amount of pain. And that that's really where the majority of my pain is. But other than that, I feel good. I feel great. It you know it just gets super uncomfortable at times just because you're in this plaster and you can't move it at all. But going back to the nerve block, I wasn't able to move my toes. Like they when I left when I was getting ready to leave the uh, post-op room, the recovery room at the hospital or the surgery center, they asked me to wiggle my toes and with everything in me I was you know just sitting there grunting not really grunting but just like having that trying to have that mind to it's not a muscle mind to toe I <laughs> it's called connection and I was just staring at my toe trying to move it and there was nothing like no amount of effort or energy I put into it was going to move my toes And it was like that for the first two to three days. I couldn't move my toes at all. When I got to the end, near the end of the second day, I started to get a little bit of wiggle room on my own. Like I was probably went from 0% to probably about 20%. And just being able to wiggle my toes, you know, just felt so good to get that blood circulating throughout the whole area of my foot. And I would have my mom manually move my toes a little bit too. And you could tell the nerve block was still like there because it would just feel so weird. Like the, like to the touch compared to my other toe. And, but it would help tremendously with like circulation and the discomfort that I was, you know, experiencing inside of the plaster and just keeping that keeping the foot moving keeping the circulation flowing and all that but fast forward to yesterday like I said yesterday was probably the hardest day I've had pain wise I am now able to move my toes in orderly fashion but I don't know if it's where like I'm very limited to where as far as I can go, like due to the plaster, but I don't feel like I have a hundred percent control still as I do on my right foot. I would say if I was at a percentage, I'm probably at 70, 75, but just being able to wiggle the toes helps me out so tremendously. Also having it elevated keeps the pain to a very very seldom very limited but when it's like I said like when I stand up and all that blood just you know rushes to my foot to my ankle when it gets trapped when it does that my foot will turn my toes you can see like the like the edge of my toes poking out of the plaster I actually have a picture my toes will turn purple while my other foot's just normal and that's just where all the blood is just getting trapped as I stand up and what, when it does that, I like lose all control of my toes. But when I, when I get my foot elevated back up, you know, and all that blood is able to, you know, go somewhere else. I'm finally able to regain control back on my toes and you know, all that good stuff. But I have one more week until I go back to the doctor to, 
I guess, do a reevaluation. I assume I get this plaster off, and from there, I should be in a walking boot, but who knows what will happen until the day comes. Uh, you know, everything's in God's hands for me. But with that being said, that's a little update on me and my surgery. So before the surgery um, in July, I set out on a mission and a journey to endure a process of a 14-week training block to run a half marathon. And August 1st, the program started, and I was just very, very consistent with my training, with my nutrition, with everything, you know, doing what I could to give myself the absolute best shot at completing this half marathon and the quickest time possible. And I, from the start of my training block, you know, was consistently running at a easy pace. My easy pace was roughly around a 10 to 10, 15 minute per mile pace. And, you know, as the months progressed and I followed my training program and kept my heart rate under my max aerobic capacity, which using the Maffetone method is 180 minus your age. So for me, that's 180 minus 19. And that puts me at 161. So my max aerobic heart rate is 161 beats per minute. So during my easy and longer runs, I would, my objective would be to keep my heart rate below that 161 beats per minute. So I'm running, so I'm running aerobically. And that means without oxygen. So my body is not using oxygen um, to, you know, provide my the energy for me to be able to run and without producing like the lactic acid and all that good stuff. So the months progressed, and I've seen just vast, tremendous improvement in my aerobic capacity. Slowly but surely, long, long, slow runs, let me tell you, are the biggest bang for your buck. That is where I've seen the most progress in picking up my pace. As I got to the end of my training block, I was consistently running easy runs, you know, five, six miles at a eight, anywhere from a 8.50 to a 9. 15 minute per mile pace and you know that is that is a minute shaved off in three months three and a half months and you know that is just looking back reflecting on that the progress that I made you know makes me so happy and just accomplished that I was able to set out and endure this process and be able to see that improvement and show myself slash tell myself that I can do anything that I put my mind to and I can do anything that I set out with a definite plan and a definite purpose as to what I am trying to do. The race was set to be November 5th and my surgery was five days after November 10th. So thankfully I was able to, you know, still be able to run. The thing is I wasn't I didn't necessarily need to get this surgery, but without it, I would have been living the rest of my life with, you know, the impingements, the scar tissue, the bone spurs, 
and you know the loose very loose ligaments that I had but because I wanted to no longer have that pain and to be able to have all that range of motion back have all the everything back I decided to get the surgery and thankfully I was able to squeeze it in right before the surgeon who did my surgery had his own surgery um, a few days after my surgery. So probably this week was when he was scheduled to have his, but so five days after the race was my surgery date. So flash forward, flash, fast forward to November November uh, 2nd, that Thursday, I started my carb load for the half marathon, which I aimed to eat around 500 to 550 grams of carbs per day. And let me tell you, eating that many carbs is very, very difficult. And honestly, I wasn't even eating as much as the carb loading calculator that I used online was telling me to eat. But I felt good, you know on 500, 550 grams of carbs. So I think that that was going to be good for me. So I just stayed consistent with that. And, you know, the first two days went good, went good. Went to bed on Friday night. Woke up at 3. Woke up in the middle of the night and I had to go pee. And I just felt felt super bad and I knew that I was going to throw up, knew something was going to happen. But when I laid back down, I was just, I was just like, no, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to throw up. I haven't threw up in months or threw up in probably a year. So nothing's going to happen until it happened. I vomited a few times and was just very, very, very sick. I'm not sure the main cause. It could have been a you know 24-hour virus, but I think that it was food poisoning due to a food that I had eaten the night before going to bed. And but who knows the cause for sure? But due due to that illness that happened the day before something I had worked. 14 weeks for was heartbreaking and just catastrophic because you see all the hard work you put in and everything that you do come to a very quick and abrupt stop. I knew that morning before the race that I was not going to be able to race that next day. I was so weak, so fragile, sick. I was not, I didn't eat, had no appetite. I couldn't I couldn't hold myself up. I mean it was it was it was a lot and you know I was just so discouraged that I couldn't couldn't race that next day and the day come I you know couldn't race but I was just telling myself that there's a there's a bigger picture. There's a reason that God did not want you to race today. There's a reason behind why you got sick the night before. There's a reason that although you put in the 14 weeks of work, there is a reason behind why it had to come to an abrupt stop the day before. And I was just telling myself, repeating that over and over in my head, that there was a definite reason that 
I was not able to race. And that definite reason, that definite, you know, plan, desire that God has for me has not, you know, made its way into my life yet. And I know it will. Um, but just through discipline and the fact that I had put in 14 weeks of training, I did not want, I did not want to just quit right there. You know, I could, I have, when, when adversity hits, you have two choices. You can either be a victim or a victor. And I told myself that I was going to be a victor and was not going to be a victim. So, Tuesday, November 7th, I had set out a definite plan and purpose that I was going to run the half marathon that I was not able to race in on Sunday. I was going to do it on Tuesday, November 7th at my house. So the day before, you know, I'm eating, just eating like a normal kid. You know, I'm not really carb loading or nothing. So I do my little shakeout run, a little two miler that day. And, you know, I'm just getting ready, getting in the headset, getting the right headspace for, for Tuesday. So I went to bed, you know, had everything laid out, my shoes, my uh, in-fuel, intra-run nutrition and all that good jazz. Wake up on Tuesday, get my stuff ready, get locked in, and I set out and I completed 13.1 miles or a half marathon by myself at my house. Now, were the conditions the greatest? No. I was by myself. It was dark. I didn't have a community of people pushing me and all that good stuff. It was me, my motivation, my inspiration, my everything. And I knew that 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 was what I wanted to do. I had a definite purpose. I wanted to complete that half marathon. I wanted to show people that you can do anything you set your mind to. Even when adversity strikes, when adversity strikes, you have two options. Be a victor or a victim. Tuesday, November 7th, 2023, I was a victor. I could have very easily just just called it quits and... Just had the surgery, you know, took it easy until the surgery. But no, I wanted to show myself that I can do anything I set my mind to if I have a definite purpose and a definite plan. No matter what steps into my way in life, I will take a step back, evaluate the situation, understand what's going on, what's happening, and attack that the best possible way that I can. And I did just that. And I cannot be cannot be happier of myself at all. Now, going into the training block, I set out a goal. I wanted to run the half marathon in sub two hours. And sub two hours would put me at a nine minute, 10 second per mile pace. Minute per mile pace. And that was my goal. And Tuesday come around. I just told myself, if the goal doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, right? I'm out here. I just I just want to show myself that I can complete this run. 
I'm going to show myself. I want to show up for myself and complete this. I ended up finishing in two hours, six minutes, and 17 seconds. You know, just shy of my of my goal, but that's besides the point. I do not do not care about the goal any. I just can I just care that I completed it. I showed myself that I can complete anything that I put my mind to. And I set out and I completed the 13.1 mile half marathon race. And I'm just sharing this to tell you guys that no matter what adversity is you are faced with in your life, whether that's an injury, whether that's sickness, whatever it could be in your life that pops up, you know, tragedy, injury, accident, whatever. Take a step back and evaluate the situation. Understand what's going on. Understand that there's a reason this is happening. And just attack the best way you know how. And you will be satisfied. It may not be easy. It's not going to be easy. It may be difficult. Yes, it will be difficult. Through willpower, tenacity, courage, and so many more, you can do anything that you set your mind to. That's that's the update. That's the life update that I have for you guys. I uh, just want to share the experience, share the share some insight through my half marathon race, what happened, my uh, surgery that I just recently had, how the recovery's going, and all that good stuff. That's all I have for you guys today. Just want to thank you guys for tuning into the episode, tuning into the show, being supporters. And with that being said. That'll do it. That's a wrap for this episode. We'll see you guys next time.